Welcome to season two of Matt Make Zack Watch Horror Movies. Now you may notice a drop in audio quality compared to previous episodes. You see, Matt has fallen into the twilight zone and can only communicate through the ether. But frayed not, dear listener. You are still in store for all the same dreadful jokes, eerie impressions, and terrifying trivia. So, sit back, enjoy the show. Listening to DJ Terror on Radio Slasher. You know, after that last recording, I'm starting to think Kai is the one who threw Matt into the Twilight Zone. Anywho, I sent George out to look for more recordings, so we got the bunker all to ourselves, listener. I've got the sweet tunes of the Soul Boy and the Dough Boy queued up next just for you. This recording was dated September 27th, 2020, where the boys have a good old time with the return of the living dead. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Matt Makes Zach Watch Horror Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Zay. I made him watch a horror movie. What did we watch this week, Zach? I just hit my knee on my desk. Oh, no. <laughs> ah. <laughs> This better be staying in. This is gold. Uh, we watched Return of the Living Dead. Hell yeah, we did. Oh, God. You alright? I'm gonna return as the Living Dead. Bum, bum. Is rigor mortis setting in? Yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> alright, Zach. Well, top of the pod here. Um, we haven't done this alone in a while, so... Uh, mm-hmm. So, Zach, what'd you think of this movie? It was fun. It was, it was punks and versus zombies. Yeah. yeah. It was like one of those ones was like, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> just a good time. Yeah, it's not like nothing groundbreaking. Uh, yeah, it well, I'm uh, technically for the time. For the time. Because <laughs> they're zombies. Yeah. It was early on in zombies, so. That so was groundbreaking. Yeah. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> <laughs> I I now know what Tarman is, so. Yeah, I love Tarman. Because I, I saw Tarman merch everywhere and had no idea what it was. No, yeah, I still no. think it's crazy that you said that website doesn't say it's from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, so I buy a lot of my clothes from a site called creepy company and they're really cool you should check them out but they have this they entire cool. line just called tar man and i had no <laughs> idea what it was from and i'm still confused because it's just tar man tm it's not like return tar man from return of the living it's just tar man he's his own I wonder entity if, yeah i wonder if someone got the rights to like merchandising that character specifically like it's the mm-hmm. effects guy or something maybe yeah <laughs> 
I, I want to know more about the copyright yeah. behind Tarman. <laughs> I want to look into this company, Tarman TM. <laughs> yeah, what are they about? They 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 ship in barrels that they're not supposed to be. <gasps> oh no. Well, I mean, you're already kind of diving into it, Zach, but it's time for America's favorite game show. Can you summarize that movie? Ba, ba, da, ba. Oh, wait, that's... Come on down! That's John Cena. Yeah, whatever, same thing. <laughs> well, Zach, I mean, this is a podcast, so they can't see you, so... God damn it, man. <laughs> you set me up for that one, man, come on. This is this is why <laughs> this is why it's been a second since it's been just us. Because <laughs> you're tired of my shit. <laughs> no, because when it's just us, we're stupid. <laughs> yeah, Zach, I got bad news for you about us all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Specifically, we when we watch a movie like this or Body Bags or Creep Show. Where it's That's like, the tone of all these movies. That's why they're great. No, like not just the tone of the movie, but us after we watched a movie like this, we get in a it specific just, mindset. That's just it like, just puts you in the right place, man. It's just a good time. Hell yeah. But uh, you're stalling here, man. Let's see how fast you can summarize that movie. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Uh, wait. Let me can pull, you do this? Let me pull up my cast list here. Uh, stretch lot. first, right? <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of names that are pretty cool. Yep. And they're not in order, so it's gonna be hard. <laughs> they're not grouped by punk group and uh cemetery Regular group. group. <laughs> <laughs> there's overlap, it's fine. Alright. Alright, you ready? Mm-hmm. Alright, three, two. One and go. So we open up medical supplies. We got our boy Freddy. Freddy Dreddy. He's hanging <laughs> out with his uncle Frank, who's showing him the ropes of how to be uh, uh, shipping bodies or something. But <laughs> Frank's like, uh, you know that zombie movie? It was real. And I have the bodies. And so they go to the basement. Just and like yeah, <laughs> and they go to the basement where there's a barrel, and what do you know? They open it and be stupid, and they get sprayed full of like zombie gas. So they get gassed up, and they lit. So then they gotta call Bert because they don't know what to do. Bert owns the place. Bert comes up, he's like, "You guys are dumb." Well, the movie killed the brain, so let him out. So they let him out, and it's just this man painted orange. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow, thank you. Who's just naked and his hair is shaved. <laughs> he, he, he looks like Freddy Freaker. If you don't know, Freddy Freaker, you need to look up Freddy Freaker. Okay. Um, but he, Freddy Freaker jumps out because they called his number and uh, they pickaxe him to the head and it doesn't kill him. And they're like, the movie lied. Oh no. So uh, now they gotta go meet up with Bert's friend Ernie, <gasps> and they gotta uh, burn this guy. But cut to the best gang ever, punk gang. We got the leader. His name is Suicide. <laughs> He's got all kinds of chains, and we got 
uh, Scuzz, he's kind of nerdy, but he's like new wave. That's what Matt told me. Uh, <laughs> we got trash. She she looks like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> and we got Tina, who's Freddy Dreddy's girlfriend. Uh, we got Casey, who looks like uh, every 80s lady ever. And we got Spider. He makes it to the end because he's got a sledgehammer and he's not fucking around. Uh, we got... Was that all of them? Yeah. We got all of them. <laughs> uh, and uh, they 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 go in to pick up their friend Freddy Dreddy from work, but they decide to get naked and hang out in the cemetery instead while they listen to cool like music. And uh, they, burn, they burn Freddy Freaker. <laughs> <laughs> After he's chopped him up in little pieces, and Ernie's the best character. He's just he's just the friendly neighborhood uh, mortician who's who's who knows all about dead bodies. And uh, but they burn the body. The smoke goes up into the sky, and then lightning strikes, and it rains the the acid, and it brings all the zombies from the cemetery up. Oh no! And uh, Freddy, Dreddy, and. Uh, his uncle Frank, uh, they start feeling sick and zombies start eat- at this point it's just zombies eating people, paramedics come, they get eaten, cops come, cause zo these zombies can speak and they just keep calling for more backup. <laughs> <laughs> and then they keep eating the backup. And then, uh, Tarman, uh, kills suicide, which made me really sad cause I wanted to see suicide fight some zombies. But uh, Tarman goes brains, and uh, then uh, at some point, the remaining few make it back there, kill Tarman, and call the number on the barrels, and uh, the, which is the military, and they blow the place up, and uh, the end. Four minutes and seven seconds. I'm gonna cut that <laughs> down for sure, but my. My time, my lap time then will make no sense to anyone, but just know the original was four minutes and seven seconds. Oh, there, there's been, there's been other ones where it's yeah. like, oh, that was seven minutes. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I cut that down to like four minutes. <laughs> Cause you're not going to listen to me stammer for seven minutes. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, um, I should say up at the top, if you've been tired of me, and my my not loving every movie we've talked about recently, uh, I'm back in it because I fucking love this movie, everybody. Yeah, Matt was like, um, I want to have a good time. We're watching this. And I was like, Multiple okay. times while we were watching it, I just went, man, this movie rules. <laughs> the second I saw... The second I saw the gang of punks, I was like, hell yeah. Or as I called them, me and my friends in high school, and what we <laughs> desperately wished we looked like. And as I called them, the gang that we need to get together today. I mean, one of the best walking scenes of all time is their intro. So. Hell yeah. But also, before but, we get into it, I need you to yes. look up a picture of Freddy Freaker right now. Okay. All right, let important. me give me a second. Need, okay, need to get your live reaction. Oh God! No, don't update Chrome right now. Not right now. No. <laughs> okay, I stopped it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> ah, yeah, but, but accurate. So. 
call 199-190-0490 freak. <laughs> well, that happens. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was the Our friendship is over now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean it is enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've shown you. That's true. But yeah, should we uh dive into the movie? Full spoilers, everybody. Yes. Well, I mean, I just right. summarized yeah, the right. movie. <laughs> but now we're going in detail. Spoilers. So. We're going into the Cape Fear. <laughs> spoilers ahead. <laughs> uh, after you. All right. After we have a couple of guest episodes, it's always nice coming back to Justice. Yeah. Like a fun little reset, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we open on. The, the medical supply company where we just meet a bunch of charming character actors and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I I would honest to God watch the version of this movie that is a play that is just Fred and Frank and like their reactions to things and you just hear noises from like outside the building. I love them together so much. <laughs> this punk and this old man. I loved everybody. Like everybody in this movie played it so well. It they so they did a great job. Well, Part of the secret is that on paper, most of the stuff in this movie, if you think about it, doesn't read as comedy. Mm-hmm. So a number of the actors, when they signed on, at least at like until like halfway through filming, didn't understand that they were in a horror comedy. Mm. So they all just play it so straight and it works <laughs> so well. That's why like, it's good. Yeah. Most comedy works better if you play it like it's real. <laughs> Yeah, like but, uh, just like yeah. the way everybody delivered dialogue was just so good. It's so perfect. Like, hey, you ever see that movie Night of the Living Dead? <laughs> oh, what was it? Bert said on the way out. What the uh, weekend? Uh, what? Oh, what did he say? I re- wrote it down in the, for my end of the movie <laughs> quote, but. Or end of the podcast quote, but then uh, suicide came along, so I had to change it. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything he says is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we meet him, and they they do a. Gr- this movie does a great job of just like set up and payoff, because they immediately start up setting up every single thing that's going to be like this will be a cool effect later. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And then they open that gas canister. Like, it all just happens, like, boom, boom, boom. This movie moves, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, I was... Wa- the thing that I was, like, what's gonna happen? Because they chopped up the zombie right away and, like, tossed him in the crematorium. So yeah. I was, like, what? zombies, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> and then oh. it, it starts smoking in the sky. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. One thing about the ZD yellow, uh, Freddy Freaker. Uh, <laughs> the yellow zombie. I love like, the little details in this movie. Because when they're. <laughs> just the image of that zombie. He looks like the Prometheus fucks. <laughs> <laughs> But I love when they're cutting his head off and you can hear um, when they get to a certain point, the vocal cords start distorting. Oh, really? 
Yeah, there's that's such a great detail. He's like, ah, ah. I don't know. And good. then it just stops. It's so good. Or like, you know, when everything is reanimating and the butterflies pinned to the the walls start flapping their wings. Yeah, that was fun. It's but so good. The, the cut in half dogs coming back to life. Oh, I love it. That was terrifying. Yeah. I love it, man. This movie's so good. <laughs> but they almost committed the cardinal horror movie sin in Zach's rule book, but they didn't. He tried killing the half dog. You can't. It's the perfect good boy, Zach. You yeah. can't kill it in a horror movie. Hell yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's like the most unique zombie dog ever, because normally it's like a, it gets all like creepy and beast-like, and it's just half a dog barking on the floor. <laughs> but it's like just like a happy good dog. I love it. Yeah. Like, it, it's stuff like that. This movie is here to show you things you've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, one great, one last great thing about Freddy Freaker. Um, <laughs> did you notice that the effects on him didn't seem as good as the rest of this movie? Mm-hmm. You mean uh, that's be naked man painted yellow? <laughs> that I don't have an issue with. I'm talking once he loses his head. Mm. Um, if you look, they're just not like. I mean, this is a fairly low budget movie, but even for a low budget movie, they're pretty bad. Apparently, they had hired a makeup effects artist who swore up and down he could do everything they required. They get to set. They get prepping to, like, do the headless zombie. And they can't back out of filming the scene that day at that point because movies are expensive. Uh, and the dude had just lied and didn't know how to do effects makeup. <laughs> and, like, but they were like, well, we have to shoot with this now. Which and then later, luckily, they got to go back and do pickups with like an actual like dummy with a, like no head. That's why that looks good. But like when they're tackling the body, it is clearly just a body wrapped in yellow, where they wrap the head in like yellow tape. It's so terrible, and I love it. <laughs> and they were just like, "Well, we have to leave it in the movie now, or we're fucked." <laughs> you better, you better not only draw Tar Man, but Freddy Freaker. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm, why isn't there, why isn't there an entire line of merch for that guy? Right? <laughs> Fucking Prometheus looking ass. <laughs> I'm just gonna exclaim that at people people now. Fucking Prometheus looking ass. <laughs> Bald head ass Prometheus looking ass. Uh but then from there, yeah, we get to meet the best parts of this movie all the punks show up i was a little disappointed i wanted more like punks v zombies like yeah fighting them with chains and cool punk stuff but just the fact that the punks aren't the bad guy in a movie from the 80s is pretty great yeah like they get to actually be characters yeah. and um this is this is my own little soapbox here uh Fuck racist punks. I love that one of these punks is Miguel A. Nunez Jr. He's a great actor. Fuck racism. He's awesome. I mean, that's the thing in horror movies, too. The black guy always dies first, yeah. but he made it to the end. Yeah. Um, is this one of the first movies to do that? Um, typically, actually, actually, 
um, not to get all white nerd on this, but um, the black guys almost never die first, mm. but they almost never make it to the end. Uh. Um, typically, that's because they're playing smaller supporting characters because you can't cast them because uh, you know because because of racism. <laughs> <laughs> To, to be blunt about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love that he's there. He's a great character. Uh, it just makes me very happy that they're like, no, there can be a black punk. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> love his mullet. Love everything about Spider. <laughs> I mean, he he was the most punk. He had a sledgehammer and made it to the end. Just wrecking shop, man. Suicide just got his brain eaten. Went out like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I did go out like a bitch. Just let tar the little little tar man just go. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> um, suicide's a dick though, and I love him. But everything that Suicide says is great. Um, I love that there's just two new waivers and one normal person with all these punks. <laughs> and and like the punks like make fun of the new waivers. Yeah, they clearly hate them. <laughs> But they also seem to not like each other. <laughs> yeah, they're just hanging out with each other because yeah. they're all the outcasts. <laughs> and then we come to what might be the second most iconic thing about this movie after uh, Tarman, Linnea Quigley's naked graveyard dance. <laughs> I, I like how, sp- <laughs> how she started talking about, like, you ever think about how you could die and <laughs> spiders just in there? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, my note was just like, man, goth chicks are weird. Uh, <laughs> but then they play one of my favorite songs. They play Dance Until You Die by 45 Graves, who I have, in fact, seen play live. <laughs> They're a punk man you haven't seen live? There are a few, yes. A lot of them are dead. Uh, <laughs> I like how that's the excuse. But, oh, yeah, well, otherwise, I'd be so. on it, man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I saw them open for the Reverend Horton Heat. It was great. <laughs> uh, that's a sentence that meant nothing to most people. <laughs> but especially Zach. <laughs> yeah, so naked Ronald McDonald was dancing. Yeah. Uh, I love that when she's talking about dying, she sets up her own death later when she's like, wouldn't it be great to be torn apart by old men? The and you're like, oh, man, second, what a weirdo. The second and then that later came out happened. of her mouth, the second it came out of her mouth, I was like, well, she's going to get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's apparent. But I love. OK, don't get me wrong. It is clearly lascivious and sexist to have a woman dance around naked and everything. But I love that the characters are so like. Ah, uh, trash does this all the time. <laughs> like they don't even care. Especially in suicide, he's just like, "Fuck this shit, man. This is this is stupid." What are you doing? <laughs> You're gonna get also, a cold. Yeah. Also, like, oh man, like she's outside. It's like dirty. Like, put some pants yeah. on. This, like, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the only one who was into it was the creepy new wave guy. And even he was like, and I'm moving on from this pretty quick. (laughs) This is weird. Yeah. (laughs) Accurate response. Yeah. But uh, we just get to know these punks for a while, and they're like a good time, and I love it. Like, this movie does a really good job of just being like, you're going to like everybody, so that later it's really upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) And then we meet. I believe your favorite character, Zach. We meet 
Ernie. Oh yeah, he's the best. He's the only one who knew what he was doing. I I love that he has like a like a German like World War Two gun. Like, oh, obviously <laughs> someone's got to have a gun. So obviously it's the mortician who deals with but, exclusively dead people. <laughs> I just love the little detail that it's like a weird World War Two gun instead of just like a handgun. Like, that's gonna be me as an old guy just like chilling out with a World War Two gun, drinking <laughs> coffee at two a.m. Hell yeah! You're gonna come over and you're like, so I need to burn a body. <laughs> Uh, I knew this right. day would come. <laughs> You're, you owe me, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I love everything about Ernie, though. I love that when the zombie rips his pants, he just cuts them off. Yeah, he's got to fit in with the punks, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything goes to hell. They burn the body, acid rain, catches the smoke. <laughs> and I feel incredibly bad for Linnea Quigley <laughs> yeah. for, uh, for trash because yep. she's like it burns that's why you wear pants man <laughs> why you wear clothes just in general <laughs> <laughs> oh Matt thought that was so funny he just threw Sorry, his I mic started, out the window <laughs> I, I started coughing so I turned off my mic <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a and here's where, like, it's still funny, but it starts to become, like, a real horror movie. Yeah. And it's actually, like, really good at the horror stuff. Yeah. I and like, I, I, I really appreciate that. I like the whole thing with, with the zombie that they captured and started talking to it. And the, and the zombie was like, I'm in pain. I can feel myself decaying and eating brains right. is the only thing to make it stop. Well, it, there's an interesting link there because um, the writer-director of this film was Dan O'Bannon. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he also wrote Alien. Mm. Um, and Dan O'Bannon actually suffered from uh, debilitating Crohn's disease, mm. which is incredibly painful, specifically in your stomach. And sometimes eating certain things can help with it. But it feels like something is clawing its way out from the inside, much like the chestburster from Alien and the incredible pain from this movie. It, it, it's this weird vein that runs through a lot of his work and I, I i think that's that's like super interesting real life horror yeah but i i think it's kind of what gives him this weird view on on these horror movies and like how to like have a perspective on like it's why his movies like the stuff that's painful is like painful yeah you know like the the monsters just want the pain to stop yeah well, and then, like, oh, Fred and Frank and the rigor mortis starts setting in mm -hmm. is so upsetting yeah. to watch. Especially then when uh, when Frank puts himself in the crematorium. Takes off his wedding ring and says, sorry. I, know. I was like, oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, around here, the punks finally get in with the, uh, with the what did you call them? The crematorium gang? crematorium crew crematorium crew thank you yes uh except for suicide who is dead mm -hmm. <laughs> and the new wave ones are still back at the uh warehouse oh yes they're trapped at the warehouse because now everything has just gone to shit and we get the my favorite bit in the whole movie when they kill the paramedics <laughs> send more 
paramedics. <laughs> Zombie <laughs> says that into the dispatch. Yes, it's the best. Uh, I love it. I love that the cop, like the, the cops, uh, the zombies in this, like the zombie rules at this point, there actually haven't been like a ton of zombie movies outside of George Romero. So there's no real rules yet. Mm-hmm. He has his rules, but as a genre, it hasn't cemented really until this point in the 80s. It kind of starts to, which is unfortunate because it kind of closes the door on like weird creative stuff like this movie has, where it's like killing the brain doesn't matter. Yeah. Why would it matter? They're already dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's like the movie lied. Oh, that's so good. Because there's the the great meta moment early on in this movie where they say, oh, well, Night of the Living Dead happened. It's just that they made some of it up. Mm -hmm. We had to change it or the government would come after us. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of, the government does come after them. I I love how much this movie, by the way, hates the fucking government. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like... (laughs) That's... Like, that's always the thing in these zombies movies. It's like, of course the government would just nuke wherever it happens. Like, that's what they would do. Easiest cleanup. (laughs) Oh, but we also get, speaking of heartbreaking zombie transformations, Freddy. Oh, my God. When Freddy starts to be like, Tina, Tina, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. Just come down here. Come on. uh, It's so scary. Jack Torrance much. Yeah. Uh, it is so effective because the the smartest thing Dan O'Bannon does with this movie is we like all of these people. Yeah, it's a thing I've talked about a lot on this podcast. But if you ca- craft like good, likable characters, when the shit hits the fan, we'll actually care. It's what allows him to really turn like like a, like hot and cold faucets. Like I'm going to turn it on the comedy. I'm going to turn it back off. You mm-hmm. know. I love it. Like it's so good, and the soundtrack is banging. <laughs> they turned the keyboard to spooky when there wasn't punk yeah, music man. playing. And, and this movie, I think, gets the punk stuff right in a way that a lot of movies don't. Now, I say that as someone who is not a punk themselves, so perhaps I am wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Coldplay, so I'm sure all the punks hate me. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like. There's a string of nihilism to these characters that I think there really was in the 80s punk scene that runs throughout this whole movie. Like, there are no happy endings. Mm-hmm. You know? The government will just betray you. They will just blow you up. I, I love that when someone says we should call the cops, the punks say, no, they just beat us up. Yeah. Like, that's so great. Yeah. Whereas, like, most movies just treat them as villainous punchlines, you know? Yeah, like, they're the school bully. Yeah, when in reality, they were probably more likely to get beat up by the school bully, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this movie, man. It's just a good time. Yeah, that's that's what the second those punks showed up, I was like, yep, that's, that's, this yeah. is a movie. <laughs> it just reminds me of Creep uh, Show and Body Bags. Yeah, it's just fun. Trick or Treat is in there, too, I think. Of just like, look, you're gonna get scared sometimes, but really, it's a roller coaster. Sit back, have a good time. Mm. But uh, 
Let's talk a little bit about the making of this film, Zach, shall we? Tell me, tell me how Prometheus looking ass was made. <laughs> I did tell you that already. Bandages and yellow body paints. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's, for in my head, you told me that before we started recording, so it's like, oh. you haven't told the people yet. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, you have. <laughs> but um, this movie comes about in a really weird, interesting way, because technically, even though George Romero didn't make this movie, it is a legitimate sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people just assume since Night of the Living Dead is in like public domain that this movie must have been just like, oh, it's public domain. We can just use it. You know, we'll just reference it. But actually, this movie is produced by John A. Russo, who was the co-writer of Night of the Living Dead. And he and George Romero had a little bit of a falling out after that movie. Mm-hmm. They became friends later in life again, but um, the they made a deal where George Romero could make any zombie movie he wanted, but he had to call it Of the Dead. That's why the, se- the official sequels to Night of the Living Dead are Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and Land of the Dead. Um, and uh, what John A. Russo got was he got Of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. which is why this movie is Return of the Living Dead. And he immediately set out writing a script for Return of the Living Dead, because he knew that movie sold so well, I can sell this to any fucking studio. Yeah. And apparently, without George Romero, it was a terrible script. <laughs> it like people have said, like, oh, it was like borderline unreadable. It was trying so hard to be dramatic. It was trying so hard to be like edgy, the way that like Night of the Living Dead was so effortlessly. Like clearly, like the edginess of that movie, like you, you need a Romero who just understands why that works, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so then instead, uh, John A. Russo hires Dan O'Bannon. Uh, Dan O'Bannon is a fascinating dude and I will get to him in a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, um, he comes up and he says like, well, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like night of the living dead is one of the definitive, like serious horror movies with something on its mind. This should be a comedy. Yeah. And just rewrites the script from the ground up. Immediately, the movie gets like picked up and greenlit, and they're off to the races. Um, the movie was a bit of a difficult shoot. Lots of rain, a naked person. Um, <laughs> although Linnea Quigley said she was totally comfortable on set, that everybody was really cool about it. And she's also like, she is a scream queen. She's in a ton of horror movies, mostly low budget and mostly where she's naked. So <laughs> she was like totally fine with it. It's my the one thing. trouble. Yeah. The one trouble that they did have was. Um, of course, the day she got naked mysteriously, a bunch of the producers and like studio execs wanted to show up to set and check on them, which is no. gross. Um, but uh, they got there and she's like fully new. Mm hmm. Um, and she had a bush and they said that is too graphic. So they sent her and had her shave it off apparently. And she came back and they're like, Oh my God, that's worse. So then she had to wear like a Merkin the whole shoot. Have they never seen one before? Right. Right. Do you realize that that is covering You want this, you they requested that this kind of nudity be in this movie because they were like, it's an exploitation film. You know, like, that's what sells tickets. Like, the the running joke between Linnea Quigley and Dan O'Bannon was like, wow, if we knew this, 
you know, that was that scene was going to be so popular. We would have put you in the movie more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they didn't, and they're you know they want the, the exploitation without the reality, and that's just not possible. People are terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Dan O'Bannon not always so great. When uh, Tina breaks through the third stair again, setup and payoff in this movie is fantastic. Um, he didn't tell her that stair was going to break. Oh no. And she, so like later when she like limps into the freezer, cause that was all done as like one take essentially. She actually like fucked up her leg, Jeez. like really bad. Apparently like she went off the set, like they did one take where she runs and she makes herself trip. And this set got very quiet. And while she was outside and they took out the step and changed it. And then they called her back in and they were all like, don't tell her. We want a real reaction, which always makes me so mad because it's like, she's an actress. Let her act. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's pretend. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah. But now it's time to come to something I have a lot of strong feelings about nowadays. It's Dan O'Bannon and his career, because it's probably the only time we'll really cover him. Mm -hmm. I hope that's okay. He is an artist I have a lot of feelings about. <laughs> so get ready. Um, if anybody wants to learn about Dan O'Bannon, I highly recommend the book uh, Shock Value, which is all about like the early 70s horror and 80s horror auteurs. And it focuses actually a surprising amount on him in a way that most stuff about that period doesn't. And it's, it's a really good read. Okay, highly recommend. Um, uh, he actually came up with John Carpenter in college. Um, they were like best friends, and he actually wrote John Carpenter's first movie, Dark Star, which is really cool that these two guys knew each other, except when you're making what was essentially amounted to a student film like Dark Star, really there's less of a division between like director and everybody else. Like it's it's just much more collaborative on that small of a movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. John Carpenter is, for better or worse, very much envisions himself even at that young of an age as an auteur and that he is the driving force of the projects he's creating which leads to some great things but it also leads to things like every john carpenter movie is titled john carpenter's insert title so this was john carpenter's dark star which didn't do super well but for like a student film it did very well Essentially, they, they had started shooting it as like their thesis project. And then somebody said like, oh, some of the effects in this are pretty good. Well, we'll, we'll give you more money making a feature. Also, all of the effects done by Dan O'Bannon, who also worked on things like Star Wars. Like he was a great effects oh. guy. Yeah, he did a, like some of the early digital stuff for Star Wars. Um, he like had a whole like effects pitch for Alien when he wrote it. Uh, stuff like that. Like he, he was really great at some stuff and a pretty good writer. Like, uh, but they have a falling out because in the press, Dan O'Bannon starts saying like, you know, I do, I love John, but I think it's a little unfair that this movie is thought of as John Carpenter's film when really we all made it. And some of us pretty much directed scenes because they were special effects. So, which I have mixed feelings about mm -hmm. <laughs> as a statement. But I kind of see where he's coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like on Psycho, like who really directed the shower scene. 
yeah, but even more like with what amounts to a student film that they made for like under a million dollars, everybody did everything. Yeah. And Dan O'Bannon wasn't just saying like, I should get more credit. He was saying like, we should all get more credit, but John wants the credit. Mm. Um, which isn't wrong. But then apparently John Carpenter like called him and said like, come over to my house. We're having lunch. Sat him down and said like, well, we're never going to speak again. How dare you say this stuff to press about me? And I think our collaboration is over, even though we've been working together for like all of college Mm. and just never looked back. And apparently they talked mad shit on each other's movies all the time. Oh, man. Um, Because, I mean, the thing and Alien have pretty similar concepts when you really think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And John Carpenter described alien as a film that was so poorly written ridley scott had to save it (laughs) and um dan o'bannon said man rob botin's effects in the thing are so great don't you wish it was for a better movie just stuff like that all the time so dan o'bannon never really got a fair shake because i think he just shot himself in the foot because he he really thought he should be an auteur on the level of someone like john carpenter or Ridley Scott, like these guys that he had worked with. And it just never quite happened for him. And it, it kind of breaks my heart when there's these dudes who are like right on the cusp and can just never quite make it over. You know what I mean? He worked so hard on so many different things because he also wrote Total Recall. Like I said, he worked on Star Wars. He worked a lot on TV. And I feel like he get even in the Alien franchise, a thing that he indisputably created, it was his idea to hire H.R. Geiger to design the alien. People kind of talk about Dan O'Bannon like, oh, yeah, I guess he wrote it or whatever. And mm. it kind of bums me out. But apparently it's also because he was kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, but like a lot of artists are dicks. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick was a monster and we all still worship Kubrick, you know? Yeah. So it kind of bums me out that people don't think about Dan O'Bannon enough. And the line in this book that absolutely broke my heart was um, Dan, Dan O'Bannon died relatively young. He passed away in uh, 2009. And the book just says, like, Dan O'Bannon died in 2009 and John Carpenter wouldn't attend his funeral. And it just, it, just, it just broke my heart, you know? Like, after all that, like, you'd think, oh, I'm going to set it aside for a day. And they just couldn't mm. at the end of everything, you know? Yeah. But I, th- I think he's a fascinating figure, and we need to talk about Dan O'Bannon more. Sorry to bring it down, but uh, <laughs> I thought this was a fun movie. <laughs> it is a fun movie, but it's it's also a movie that truly is an auteur's vision. Yeah, like because if you look at like Alien, like the only reason people are like Alien is I, I'm trying to remember who summed it up best. They said um, Alien is a B movie premise filmed like an A movie. Like the script for Alien is much funnier and sillier and has a much better time if you really look at it. It's just that Ridley Scott really drew out the pace and made it feel like a haunted house. And like he he really does take that movie and make it a Ridley Scott film. Whereas I feel like this is exactly the movie Dan O'Bannon always wanted to make. It's a cool exploitation B movie that's just here to entertain. Mm-hmm. But it also has this line of his own pain running through it like a real like 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 an artist you know not yeah. that pain makes you a real artist i shouldn't say that but you know what i mean yeah <laughs> but yeah i love this movie 
Uh, for better or worse, I love Dan O'Bannon. And I'm sorry, Dan, but John Carpenter's still a better director. <laughs> this is the John Carpenter podcast. So, it know. really is. John, come on anytime. <laughs> we know you're listening. I've tagged you on Instagram, John. <laughs> Make that Darth Vader movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Zach, do you have any closing thoughts on this film? Uh, same thing as like body bags and creep show. It just felt like uh, the Halloween episode of a normal show, <laughs> which yeah, is fun. It's it, just a good time. I don't, I don't have nostalgia <laughs> for horror movies, obviously, because I didn't grow up with them. But watching this makes me feel nostalgic. Yeah, it just reminds you of everything that's good about these kinds of movies. Yeah, or at least that's what it does for me. And this is one of the few horror movies I saw like before I was like, well, I'm into horror now because somebody said like, oh, you'll love the soundtrack. <laughs> and they were correct. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now I know what Tarman is. So that's a plus. Yeah. Now you can buy that cool pin or T-shirt you've been wanting. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been wanting it. I was just confused what it's from. <laughs> <laughs> and now we trade it off. You know what Freddy Freaker is. I know everybody learned something today. <laughs> everybody Google Freddy Freaker and get upset. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Internet. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I think that just about does it for us here at uh, old, uh, good old Matt Makes Zach Watch Horror Movies. Zach, where can everybody find you? You can find me as Zach Shirk on Instagram. And that's it. What about you, Matt? You can find me on just about everything as I Draw Paintings. Or over on my Facebook artist page, Matt Mears. And I also stream on Twitch now. It's still I Draw Paintings, just drop the S. And on that note, what do you think? This is a fucking costume? It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. As the Vox fades, we thank you for listening to this bizarre journey into cinema. If your morbid curiosities hunger for more, you may summon our horror bros at MattMakeZack.com, on Twitter and Instagram at MacMakeZack, or if you dare, say George Lucas three times into a mirror for a visit from our phantom menaces. You may now return to your mortal plane of existence. Until next week, as Matt makes Zack sit through another chilling apparition. Mwahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah